listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, everybody. We're in this series on shaping faith, and we're talking about the, the circle piece of the puzzle that represents uh, community, the, the eight attributes or aspects of healthy community. And so we're talking about, we're going to take some time and we're going to chew through all of these different ingredients. And we're saying that these are aspects or attributes that if our community here, if our family is firing on all cylinders, you would notice that these things are present like in us personally and exhibited in our community. Like we would, we would see that these things are important. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about ownership. This morning, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And forgiveness is sometimes really difficult, sometimes super easy, Sometimes it's a really touchy subject. Sometimes it cuts really close to the heart and gets really personal. But forgiveness, according to Jesus, is a really, really big deal. And so I just want to have us in the right frame of mind. This is a passage we've looked at not too long ago. We talked some about forgiveness, but let's take a look at what Jesus had to say about forgiveness. He says in Matthew 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And so we've talked about this before that uh, according to Jesus, forgiveness is a big, big deal. So much so that he ties it together, like interlocks it with our willingness to forgive other people who sin against us is connected to God's willingness to forgive our sins against him. And it's like, whew, that's a tough one. That's kind of a big deal. Right? Now, the question is, like, is it really this big of a deal for all of us? Like, do people actually struggle with forgiving? Do people are, is it, is it sin a big deal? Like, are people going around sinning against each other so much that it's a problem for the people to forgive them? And I, I reached out this last week to my uh, wide world of Facebook friends and threw this question out just on my page to just kind of get a feel for, like, what, hits people's radar. Is this really an issue? Is it not an issue? Like, and I, so you can see the question I threw out there, like, what things do you find difficult to forgive someone for? Like, personally, like, bring it home, you know, and I even gave people the option, just send me a private message if it's like, you don't feel comfortable posting it. Here's some of the things that people said. They said, uh, when people make them feel just ashamed and guilty for something and just heap the guilt trip on them, they have a, a hard time forgiving someone for that. Um, pain, pushiness, lying was a huge one. It came up over and over and over and over again. Like I, I was surprised, honestly, at how common when you say to somebody, what do you struggle to forgive? Oh, when somebody lies to me, it was like, boom, that's, it was just like right off the top. When somebody lies to me, I, that really 
chaps my hide, flakiness, uh, slander when they're gossiping and talking behind your back. Uh, People struggled with hypocrisy when you watch someone say one thing and then do another, right? And it just like, and it impacts you personally. It's like, ooh, that's hard to forgive. Bigotry, when you you watch people just like put down a, a people group at large and like just talk negatively or talk down about another race or people group really bothered people. The idea of like, how could you forgive someone that had done something to your family, to a loved one, to a child of yours? How could you forgive them? Forgiveness is a, is a big, big deal. According to God, our forgiveness, our willingness to forgive other people who sin against us ties so directly to his willingness to forgive us when we sin against him. And yet, it's, a, it's an everyday issue for us as long as we're around other people. The more, time, the more time we spend with people, the more time we spend around each other, the more opportunity comes up for people to offend us, for people to sin against us, for people to, to do wrong to us or our family or a loved one or someone that we care about. And it, it puts us in this position of like, how, what are we gonna do about it, right? We're gonna jump in and talk about what forgiveness really is. What is it really and how do you actually go about it? Why is it so important to God? Why is it such a, a, a big deal that he locks it in to his forgiveness to us? But before we do that, let's take a look at and make sure we're on the same page about what forgiveness is not, okay? Here's some stuff. Forgiveness is not a feeling, right? If you're um, waiting to be overwhelmed with the emotion that drives you to want to forgive someone, that's probably not often gonna happen. I'm not saying it couldn't ever happen, but that's not the point of forgiveness. It's not about feeling like you want to forgive someone. It's a choice. It's a decision you make. Next up, forgiveness is not pretending that you were not hurt. It's not about saying that what happened to you didn't hurt you. It's not about saying that you need to sweep your feelings under the rug. Because you forgive someone, you're not, you're not, saying, in a, you're not saying in a way, I, I wasn't hurt. They're different things, okay? Forgiveness is not condoning what the person did to you. You're not just making a blanket statement by forgiving someone that what they did was okay, right? Forgiveness is not trusting the offender, right? Forgiveness has to do with the past. Trust has to do with the future. People oftentimes confuse them and try to pull these two together as one concept. Forgiveness has to do with the past and trust has to do with the future. When you forgive someone, you're not simultaneously saying, I will start trusting you again. They're different issues. Trust is something that the person has the opportunity to rebuild and regain with you over time. 
Forgiveness is not relieving the person of responsibility, right? There may be consequences due. There may be things that they need to take ownership for. There may be stuff that happens as a result of their sin or offense. You're not saying because you forgive them, you're not saying you get a free pass. You don't have what's coming to you. That's not the, the point of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about giving people what they deserve. It has nothing to do with justice, fairness, revenge. That's, that's not the point of forgiveness at all. Forgiveness is not always a one-time event, which probably everybody in this room, no matter what your background is, can go, whew, yeah, been there. How many times have you let something go? Have you forgiven someone for some hurt or offense or betrayal or lie or pain that was caused to you? You've forgiven them and let it go only to find weeks or months later, you're starting to dwell on it again and it's stirring up these painful feelings in you and you're starting to maybe chew on the anger and get bitter again or sour and all of a sudden you're like, here I am offended again. Like, and it's starting to affect the way you think about that person. It's like, I need to let that go. You may have to come to the Lord and have a conversation with him about forgiving someone often, depending on the, the offense, okay? So, I'm not trying to say that this is the perfect list of what forgiveness is not, but I want you to have an idea. These are things that we're not talking about. This is not what we're talking about when we talk about forgiveness. When we talk about forgiveness, it's, it's something that's significant to God. It's significant to our relationship with God. In fact, it's, it's so significant to God that he puts it in the deal breaker category. Like, like he's, he's like, if you're going to receive forgiveness from me, you actually have to forgive other people. And if you're unwilling to do that, it's going to change the way you and I are in relationship. You won't receive that benefit from me. Now, that may sound a little bit harsh. It may sound a little bit like, oh man, I don't know. I want to dig into a passage with you and help us understand the heart behind God the Father and why this issue of forgiveness is such a big deal to him and why it matters so much that we forgive each other, okay? So in Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable. And right before that parable, there's a conversation going on there's a conversation going on about sin, okay? And so Jesus is talking to his guys and he's giving them some instructions for how to deal with things when you find that someone is sinning. And so they go through this ordeal of like, you know, first you need to walk up to the person or go to the person and address it one-on-one, like just go to them. The idea here, the context is that you're in relationship. You care about the person. There's, a, there's some established relationship. We're not talking about, hey, I was in the parking lot and watched a lady with her kid and I have never seen her in my life and I went up and told her how she was offending God and sinning and not like, that's not gonna go well, right? That's not the heart of this text. This is in the context of relationship. So he's going through this teaching on what do we do when people sin? He says, first of all, Go and talk to him. 
walk through like, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm seeing and see if you can help bring them to repentance and to correct their error, right? And he says, if they don't listen to you, take a friend and go back. Talk to them with a friend. The heart is reconciliation to help them be right with him, right? If that doesn't work, then take it to the church, right? And we're not talking necessarily like jump up on front of the stage and go, hey, this is what so-and-so did on Tuesday night. And we went and then we went again. That's not, the, that's not the context. The context is like you're in a home group and you're working through things. You take it to your home group leader. You, you come talk to Alex or myself or Terry and you say, hey, I've gone to this person then I've gone back with another person and it, it just doesn't feel like I'm being heard and we're struggling and what do we do next? And how do we walk through this together because we care about this person? And at the end of that, if the person is just obstinate and is just stuck in their sin and won't change their ways, then you treat them like a pagan or a tax collector, he said. Now, if you've been a part of this church very long, and if you know much about how Jesus treated pagans and tax collectors, you'll know that it was at the heart of why the religious elite were so bothered by him in so many ways because he didn't treat pagans and tax collectors the way they thought he should. What he did to them was meet them where they were at, go sit down and have lunch with them, to be with them and amongst them and care about them and show an interest in them and invite them out of that life to get to know him. And so there's this teaching, there's this discussion about what do we do when somebody sins? That's what's going on at the beginning of this scene. And then into that scene, Peter speaks up and I'll just kind of paraphrase my Peter, uh, my Peter talk here. He would say something like, all right, okay, okay, hang on a minute. Like, I get that. Like, so when someone else, someone out there sins, like, I get it. This is the process. This is what we do to walk through it with them. But like something that's really bothering me, Jesus, is what if they actually sin against me? What if it hits close to home? I mean, I know I'm supposed to forgive them. I've heard you keep saying that, but how many times do I have to forgive them? I mean, are we talking like up to seven times? Like how often do I have to keep letting this go? And Jesus looks at him and says, I'll tell you what, you don't only forgive them seven times, you forgive them seven times, 77 times. He's doing this exaggerated statement to say like, as, as many times as it takes. There's no end to the forgiveness. And then, in light of that conversation that's going on, Jesus says, I wanna help you understand how my Father in heaven sees forgiveness. Let me tell you a story. It's in your notes and it's gonna be up here. Let's look through it together. It goes like this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children were all, uh, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at the, uh, this, the servant fell on his knees before him and he said, be patient with me. And he begged, I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and he began to choke him and yelled at him, you know, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
When the other servants saw what had happened, he, uh, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that happened. And then the master called their servant in and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. And he says at the end, this is Jesus kind of wrapping up his story. This, this story this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And he's like, let me just put a giant explanation point behind how much God cares about you forgiving each other. It's a really big deal. He's like, it's, it's this issue of this king that he, he shows us, this servant that owes him all this stuff. He begs for mercy. The king gives him mercy. The servant goes out, and what does he do? He finds another servant that owes him something similar, and bam, he doesn't treat him the same way. And what often gets highlighted when we look at this passage or this parable is this idea that what was wrong was that he didn't pay it forward. And it's like, yes, that's some of what was wrong but there's more to it than that. It's a bigger issue than just be nice because the king was nice. Show mercy because the king showed mercy. Those are for sure parts of the truth of what was bothering the king, right? One of the things that we've got to understand is that God calls us saves us out of our sin and gives us his seal, his Holy Spirit, to be his living temples, like to be his living representatives of him to our friends and our family and our community. And so we're called things in scripture like ambassadors, like sons and daughters, heirs with Christ to the throne. Like we are to be God to other people. And, and God's looking at this and he's like, if you're going to be me to other people, if you're going to be my representative, you can't hide one of my critical ingredients. One of the most important elements of the gospel message is forgiveness, is that we have access to the king because he's willing to forgive our debt. He's like, if you're gonna be my representatives, you can't go out and not let people know that you're forgiven. And out of that forgiveness, be willing to forgive other people. It's similar to the concept in the, the commandment that you uh, shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain, right? It's not about cussing. It's not about using uh, God's name as a cuss word, although that's not a good idea. Don't ever do that. But that's not the point of the, the commandment. The point of the commandment is like, don't take on God's name. Don't take on the name Christian, like the family crest, right? Your adoption papers as sons and daughters, heirs to the throne with Christ, your name has been changed. You have been adopted as a family member with Jesus. And he says, don't take on my family name in vain for nothing. Like don't take for granted what this means that you're a part of my family. You are my representative. It's the same principle in, in 
not taking God's name in vain and, and not being willing to forgive other people as God has forgiven us. He's like, there are some things when it comes to being a part of the family that I will give you a lot of wiggle room on and I know that you're a work in progress. And then there are some things that you just simply can't not do if you're gonna be my representative. <coughs> Um, so as I was preparing for this, this personal story of mine came to mind because there's a time in my life that was a pivotal mile marker thing in my life that changed the course of my life. And it has to do with forgiveness. And I really vacillated on whether or not to tell this story because it's super personal, it's super embarrassing uh, about me personally. Um, but I don't know how else to help people understand what it actually looks like to walk out this idea of forgiveness in a way that represents God. And so I wanna share a story with you. Um, and I'm gonna try and hold it together because uh, it's uncomfortable to be honest with you. So my wife and I have been married for almost 20 years. Um, before we got married, I, I asked her to marry me and we were not following God when we first got together. We talked about God and we liked the idea, but we weren't walking with him at all. We weren't going to church. We weren't vault. We were just, we were just doing life. And so I asked her to marry me. She moved out to Spokane. We moved in together. We both sort of thought like that's probably not the greatest idea, but it seemed convenient. And so we did and we moved in together and we had been living together for just a little while. Not, I, I don't even remember the exact details, a month or something, really short period of time. And she had to go back home to visit family for the summer for like a week long weekend or something. And so she was gone. Prior to this, us getting together, I had been living bachelor life with a good buddy of mine that got out of the army. And we had been uh, living the stupid life of single guys uh, on our own, uh, chasing girls and being dumb, right? My wife, not at the time, at the time my fiance, uh, leaves for this trip to Montana. My buddy comes over and it was just like, just like putting on an old shoe. We was right back into just going into the same old things that we used to do. So we jumped on the computer and it was instant messaging days where it was like the ding, 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 right back and forth and uh, before Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, and we got on there and he knew a girl that wanted to go do something for the weekend. And then one thing turns into another. We start making all these plans to uh, go be dumb guys. And so we did. We went and did dumb stuff. And I ended up uh, fooling around with a girl. I didn't sleep with her but I was in a place I shouldn't have been in doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing and being deceitful. And I get home, a couple days go by, she gets back and I'm feeling like a heap of guilt and hoping that this is like just giantly regretting what I did and feeling like I hope this is a secret I take to my deathbed, right? Like I will never let this come out. That was so stupid. I'm gonna bury that one for life. And in God's way of dealing with sin, she went downstairs to check her email and opened up the computer and here's two stupid guys left the whole conversation on the computer screen 
and didn't close it out. And so she read everything we had going on. And then in classic guy fashion, just to be completely honest, she said, hey, how was your weekend? <laughs> Pretty boring, didn't do much. Right? Heap sin on top of sin, on top of sin, on top of sin. And then the court came off and then World War III and it was like, uh, and my heart was breaking watching this person who I had fallen in love with and wanted to marry, like coming undone, like regretting everything that was going on in her life, second guessing her commitment, second guessing moving out here, like just everything, like her world was coming apart. And she went and slammed the door and went in the bedroom and I didn't see or talk to her for like three or four days. And the whole time I'm trying to go to work and I'm feeling like I have ruined everything, rightly so. And a few days go by and um, she calls me and says, hey, can you come in here? I want to talk to you. Um, this is a tough one. It's not tears of shame or sadness. It's joy. It's like, gratitude. She sits down and she says, you know, I've been just wrestling and wrestling and wrestling the whole time I've been in here. And I can't get away from the fact that I know God has forgiven me. And I know who I am and what I've done. And I know God's forgiven me. And so I just can't figure out how I cannot forgive you. So she said, looking me in the face, she said, I forgive you. Let's start over. And I walked out of that room, went to the kitchen, opened up the drawer. Some of you have heard parts of this story. I opened up the phone book and the yellow pages. I looked up church. The first time I ever went to church in my life, that night, I called the church and the pastor answered the phone and met me that night. He became a guy that mentored and invested in me for years, invested in our marriage and our family for years. And her forgiveness and, and accurately representing who God is and what his heart is like changed the course of my life. Changed our family's life. Changed my life for my kids. I knew this one was going to suck. <laughs> mm. But I don't know how to talk about forgiveness and not talk about that. Because for me... That's the kind of forgiveness that God wants us to walk out all the time. And you have no idea the power that that unleashes in the kingdom when you actually represent God the way God wants to be represented, the change that can happen in people's lives. 
It led us to real life. It led us to meeting Aaron and Jim. It led to working at real life, changing the course of my life and career and everything to the point that Aaron calls me and we're in Pullman, Washington. Of all, like, I would have never known in my life ever would I be here. So as we wrap up this morning, I'd just say, if you're struggling with forgiving somebody, if you have uh, one you've been holding on to and you just honestly haven't ever come to the table with it, sometimes you may be able to go have that face-to-face. Sometimes that might not be appropriate. It might need to be between you and God and you just cut that loose. But I would just encourage you, like, don't let the sun go down on it. For your sake, in what it means to your relationship with God, but for that other person's sake to know that you can forgive them in this supernatural way because of the God that's forgiven you for so much. So with that, let's get ready to wrap up with communion this morning because I can't talk about that anymore. (laughs) So if you're serving communion, if you would serve it. Um, If you're new with us, uh, first of all, thanks for hanging in there through a doozy. And if you're new with us at Real Life, uh, everybody is welcome to take communion with us. If you want to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, your family, and uh, grab on the elements when they come by and then hold on to them, we'll take communion together uh, here in a few minutes, okay? In your uh, sermon notes and up on the screen are going to be some questions to kind of help guide your conversations this week in your home groups, maybe in your... uh, me and threes, even around your dinner table. These are great questions to help further this conversation. What sins do you find hard to forgive? I mean, just be transparent. Sit down with your home group, sit down with some friends and just say, hey, what do you really struggle with? You know, why do you struggle with it? Another one is, what's something you remember being forgiven for? How did that affect you? You want to up the level of vulnerability and connection in your home group? Answer that question honestly. How about this one? Is God reminding you or convicting you of any forgiveness that you're withholding? And then talk about it. Like put like actually let the words come out of your mouth and just let things out in the light and ask for help. How about this last one? When you think about forgiveness that you've offered in the past, what story comes to mind that you think really pleased or honored God? You know, for you personally, when you think, man, that was one I really struggled with, or maybe even that was one that really came easy for me, and I still think God was just like, standing right behind me just going, thumbs up, brother. Thumbs up, sister, way to go, right? What's that story? Obviously, as we get ready to wrap up with communion this morning, um, forgiveness is central to the gospel message. It's central to the good news that we have a, a God who is willing to send a savior to rescue us from sin, and to make a way for us to have a relationship with him, to restore our separation from God. Because Lord knows 
we've all found ourselves in spots where we have just been dumb. And we have acted in our own self-interest and put our wants and desires above honoring God and it separates us from him at times. And yet God said, even while you were still sinning, even when you were making a mess of your own life, even then I was still willing to have Jesus go through with this plan. It's not about us earning it. It's not about us fixing ourselves. It's not about us cleaning up our act. It's about just knowing that we have a God that meets us right where we're at, in our mess, in our stupidity, and forgives us. And when we really let that soak in, and we can pass that on to other people and go, because, of, because I know how God treats me, I'm honored to forgive you. It changes our community, it changes lives. So this morning as we take communion, let's remember that we have a God that forgives. And we know that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. As often as we eat this, let's remember him. In the same way, he took the cup so this cup represents the new covenant, which is his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's remember him when we drink it. God, we just come before you as we are. Good days, bad days. Tight with you are totally messing things up. And we know that you meet us where we're at and that you love us and that you are not begrudgingly forgiving us, but just eager. Like you can't wait to lavish your love on us. God, help us to never take that for granted and to be quick to accept it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.